Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you need one, there's a, there should be one in the seat back in front of you. And uh, at the end of service, I'll be updating you on a number of prayer requests, but also a number of praises. Amen? Uh, uh, over the past couple of days. And so uh, I want us to get right into the message today in Luke chapter 2. Hopefully you've had a good week and uh, we've got some of that liquid sunshine outside. And uh, I, listen, in the winter, fall, winter time, when it's 65 out, you can rain all you want. When it's 20 out, I'd prefer no rain, okay? And so I could take the rain today. And by the way, Fauquier County needs rain. So let's look at what God's Word has to say. Luke chapter 2, beginning... In verse number 8, notice through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we have here written, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and the glory, and they were sore afraid. Notice the last phrase, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you <clears throat> for all that we have seen and heard and experienced and Lord, for all that you have done this past week, and as we prepare our hearts to receive what you have for us today, Lord, I pray that you will clear all the distractions from our mind, God, that we might be able to focus just for a couple of moments on what you'd have to say to us this morning. Lord, we're grateful for those who are with us today, maybe those who are visiting for the first time or the first time in a while, and certainly a special day hearing the children sing and Lord, as we prepare our hearts now, God, I pray that you'll bless them for being in your house. God, I pray also that you'll challenge us all from your word. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, I pray that through the preaching of your word and the wooing of the Holy Spirit that they might come and trust Christ today. Lord, we love you. We look forward to what you're going to do. I pray now, as always, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. And I give you the praise in advance for all you'll do. For it's in Jesus' name I pray and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Well, I began last week and I want to start this week by the same token. Remember last week I shared with you the reminder that when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we are celebrating the greatest thing. Think about it. When we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we are celebrating the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. Amen? 
If we're going to celebrate Christmas, we need to be thinking and talking and celebrating Jesus. Because as I'll say here in just a few moments, just in case we forget, without Jesus there is no Christmas. And so when we celebrate Jesus, the birth of Jesus, we're celebrating the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. And as we learned from Scripture last week, maybe in a different kind of way than you ever thought before, we looked at the beginning of Christmas and some of the incredible facts that are surrounding Jesus' incarnation, his incarnation, but also his manifestation, his habitation, and his loving invitation for each and every one who will call upon the name of the Lord. Amen? Isn't that amazing? At Christmas, the gift has already been given. It's already beginning. Listen, this morning I want us to turn our attention because we need to maintain our focus on what Christmas is all about. And so I want us to turn our attention to the joy of Christmas. In fact, if there's one word other than the name of Jesus that encapsulates what Christmas is all about, it's this tiny little word called joy. And just as he could only do, our Lord is orchestrated again. You know, I didn't tell the music team, I didn't talk to the praise team and tell the praise team what to sing today. I didn't actually communicate with Chad what to sing. In fact, the choir was going to sing a different song, and they switched songs. And so the Lord orchestrated our song service. And you say, how did he do that? Well, even before the service began, the worship service began with the choir singing, Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. We began, the children sang, and then we lifted up our voice singing joy to the world. And we combine that song with a newer song entitled Unspeakable Joy. Next, we sang another version of Oh, Come All Ye Faithful, right? Again, joyful and triumphant. And then Chad and Pam sang about 10,000 joys. I don't know about you, but that's enough joy to get you happy today. By the way, they're not the same thing. It's an overwhelming dose of music singing about joy. But I wonder... Do we really recognize, do we really recognize the joy of Christmas? It was a few years ago, I remember when we were in the gym and I came up with this saying and I shared it first with Jason Taylor and, and told him I was going to share this little quote that I had come up with and I, I want to share it with you again. Here it is, Amazon may deliver what we want, but only God through the Christ of Christmas delivers what we need. Let me ask, let's take a poll. How many people have ordered from Amazon this week? I would say your job is secure. I would say, guess the thought, the, okay. Oh, listen, one of the greatest things about God's delivery and his love story with all who believe is that he sent and he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, on a rescue mission <laughs> to redeem you and to redeem me so that we could experience this gift of joy. Oh, well. If you look at verse number 10 in our text, look at it. Scripture reveals one of the most amazing facts about Christmas, and this isn't even really the message. It's just kind of a precursor. But if you notice verse number 10 of the text, the reality is the fact that great joy, this great joy that Jesus brought down from heaven was it has been, and it continues to be offered, look at the last phrase, to how many people? To all people. That say, that includes me. 
That includes you. You say, I, I don't know Jesus is my Savior. I got news for you. When he came down from heaven, he brought joy, he brought peace, he brought harmony into the world for you and for me. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to shout. Somebody ought to get excited today about some Christmas joy. Man, what a Savior. God loved the whole world so much that he said, guess what? You got to go. You got to go. I'm sending you on a rescue mission. And you need to bring joy to the world. And that's exactly what he did. So today, whether you're in need of joy, or maybe you just need to be reminded about the joy that you already have, I give you Jesus. Because he's the source of joy. I don't have anything else to give you. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give you. And so I give you Jesus. If you need joy or if you need to be reminded about joy because true joy is not some external feeling. True joy is, in, is in, internal. And joy, it, listen, it depends on the inward condition of our heart, not any present under the tree. How many people already have presents under a tree? Mm, I want to come to your house. You know, it was C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis actually once said that joy, watch this, he said joy was the serious business of heaven. God said, hey, they need some joy. And so, Jesus, you got to go. You got to go down and bring some joy. In fact, Miriam Webster this is what Miriam says about joy and defines joy as the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Goes on, second definition. It is the expression or exhibition uh, of such emotion. And number three, the state of happiness or felicity. However, if we move forward, biblical joy takes it a step further because biblical joy points to the source. It points to the source of gladness or delight that lasts forever. Do you know that with Jesus, your joy will not end when you walk out of this room? Your joy will not go away when somebody rear-ends you on I-66. Be, listen, it happens. See, joy with Jesus is not some temporary thing. It is an eternal, it is an everlasting thing. And so the joy of Christmas is incredibly important, which is why the Apostle Paul was able to say in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. In other words, you and I can't even comprehend it many times. God loves you. Jesus loves you. This I know, as the little children's song says, for the Bible tells me so. Oh, yes, joy is different from happiness. The late Dr. Adrian Rogers, he once said it this way. He said, happiness depends on what happens. Joy simply depends on the Lord. And based on God's word, I can assure you that Jesus wants everyone in this room, Jesus wants everyone watching online to experience the great joy that comes at Christmas. But in order to do that, you got to recognize your need and you got to be willing to put him first, right in the center of it all. You know what happens many times? We miss out on Christmas joy. The reason we miss out on Christmas joy, not only in December, but we miss out on Christmas joy in March. 
I mean, it's my mother-in-law's birthday. The queen mother has a birthday in March. But sometimes we get about to March and we're waiting. We're desperately hoping. We're desperately praying for spring to come. But as you know, the old gopher right up there did or didn't see his shadow. And so we got to live with more winter. Can I tell you, joy with Jesus can last not only through December, but all year long. That's what the joy of Christmas is all about. Not our problems, not our worries, not our headaches. Hey, by the way, anybody got a problem today? Anybody got worries today? Hey, listen, God's not giving us a spirit of fear. Quit worrying. But of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Listen, anybody got some problems or worries? Or how about this? Some of you are here today... And you're struggling with heartache right now. I look out here and I see Debbie, whose husband went to be with the Lord just yesterday. Well, Friday night late. And you know what? As we were sitting in the choir loft, I saw her come in. I said, what an amazing thing here to worship the Lord. Debbie, we're praying for you. That's what Christmas joy is all about. In Isaiah 53, the prophecy... <clears throat> that became a reality, reminds us that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But from Scripture, we know that he was also a man of joy. In fact, I want to hold your spot there. And if you have your Bible, flip over to John chapter 15. See, he wasn't only a man acquainted with grief, but he was a man of joy as well. In fact, his desire is that you and I, and for all believers, to have the same joy. And so in John chapter 15, 15, notice with me, I'm going to flip over there, John chapter 15, notice in verse number 11, because see, he's, he's sharing with his disciples about eternal life and the promise of the Holy Spirit, and then when he gets to verse number 11, notice what Jesus says, he says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. In other words, Jesus was not only a man acquainted with grief, a man of sorrows, he was a man of joy, and he came as the door. He came as the shepherd. He came as the light of the world. He came as all of these things so that you and I, through faith in Jesus Christ, we could have joy and that his joy would remain in us today. His joy would remain in us tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Isn't that amazing? That's Christmas joy. It's incredible. But I digress. Look back in Luke chapter 2. Because we find the miraculous appearance of a real angel to real shepherds. Now in history, if you go back in the history of Israel, shepherding at one point was seen as a noble profession. In fact, if you do a study of scripture, you'll realize that Abel was the very first shepherd of all. Remember the story of Cain and Abel and his sacrifice to the Lord. But there were other such notables that were shepherds as well, such as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses, and of course David. But as time marches on, we get here through the first century, shepherding becomes uh, something that has lost its luster, if you please. In fact, shepherds typically uh, were considered the lowest class of citizens in that day. Culture considered, considered shepherds to be just maybe a little above lepers. 
That's how they looked at shepherds by the time we get to Luke chapter 2. In fact, a collection of interpretations and insights from Jewish rabbis, maybe you've heard of it, the Talmud, actually says these words. It says that no help was to be given to the heathen and the shepherds. So this is what they thought of shepherds by the time we get to Luke chapter 2. So in the eyes of many, the angel appearing to a shepherd, the passage that I read, would have never happened. It would have never happened. And and Jewish culture had started to look down. And the reality is because the shepherds were seldom found praising and worshiping God. And so they were snubbed and despised by the religious crowds. Another reason for their lack of acceptance is because they were always working. They were unable to keep all of the ceremonial laws of washing and cleaning. But I'll be honest with you. Just because society snubbed them doesn't mean they weren't worthy in God's eye. In fact, the fact, the fact that God sends an angel to speak to these shepherds is an encouragement to me <clears throat> and actually reminds and serves as another confirmation of God's love and His Word. In fact, Paul teaches us in 1 Timothy 1.15, he says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners, just like those shepherds who were snubbed and, and separated from society. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 32, Jesus literally tells us that he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so the angel's appearance on that night of nights to the shepherds whom the world had already snubbed and dubbed to be the most sinful would have been a beautiful foretaste, as old Fanny Crosby used to write, it would have been a beautiful foretaste of God's glory divine and the salvation that had come from heaven to earth. And I don't know about you, I'm thankful. We'd be most miserable today without Jesus. So the fact that God entrusted the greatest message that was ever sent from heaven to earth to a bunch of snubbed, smelly, sinful shepherds should be good news to each and every one of us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse number 21, uh, 24, rather, the Bible says that Christ is not only the power of God, but the wisdom of God. And in that passage, it goes on to say this in verse number 26 and following. It says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But look at verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. To confound the wise. Watch this. See what category we fall into. Right? Because the Bible says God has chosen the foolish things. Then he goes on and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound those things which are mighty. The base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. So that, watch it, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. I spend a little time asking myself, am I the foolish thing, the weak thing, the base thing, or the things that are despised? I would say, dare say, I'm probably a little bit of all of it. Least worthy. In other words, we're not able, what, what Paul is saying even here in this passage, is that we're not able to conjure up Christmas joy. See, right? You can set your decorations up and you can turn on the lights and you can say, man, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a merry, merry Christmas. And you can do all of this stuff. You can put out the wreaths, you can put out the presents, and you can do all this and still be just as discouraged as you were before you put them out. 
You see, because I don't have it within me to conjure up Christmas joy. Only Jesus does that. And that's why it's so important that we have the Jesus, the Christ of Christmas. Oh, this passage involving shepherds helps us to see God's gift of love, joy, and hope, and peace. And it helps us to see that it's for all people and for all sinners, just like us. Isn't that good? And so before, even look at verse number 8, because before Christmas joy was even announced, look at verse number 8, it says the shepherds were faithfully discharging their duties. Look, it says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Listen, they may have felt abandoned and discarded by the world, but Jesus had not forgotten them. Anybody here ever feel abandoned or discouraged or forgotten by the world? Can I tell you today, Jesus has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. He's not forgotten you. And he hasn't forgotten this guy either. Oh, what a Savior we serve. Oh, he identified, actually, Jesus identified with them more than most. In fact, after pointing or painting a beautiful portrait of his love and his care for sheep, not only lost sheep, but found sheep, in John chapter 10, Jesus declared that he is the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, he gives his life for the sheep. If you look two verses before that in John chapter 10 and verse number 9, he proclaimed that he was also the door or the sheep gate and that by him you and I can enter in. You and I can be saved. You and I can find pastor, oh, which is consistent. And I'm so thankful it's consistent with something I shared even last week. And that's the reality that he is the only way, the truth, and the life that leads to the Father. You want to have joy this Christmas, you have to go through Jesus. And as I said, I'm sure there are times when we all feel a little bit forgotten by other people. You know what I know is people will let you down many times. People will say one thing to you, turn around and do another. Anybody ever had that happen? Or am I the only one that has experienced that beautiful thing? People say one thing and they do another, right? Hey, I'm coming. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then you're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. I guess they forgot, right? The only one who doesn't let us down is Jesus. And the reality is he has not, he will not, and he cannot. Why? Because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, listen, what a Savior we serve. Look at verse number 9. Because in verse number 9, the Bible says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. In other words, they were in awe of God's majesty. And so in verse number 8, we have Scripture alluding to the truth that God meets us right where we are. Do you know those shepherds did not get cleaned up? They did not get their Sunday best on. They did not head down to Battlefield Baptist Church. No, Jesus met them right where they were. And you know what? That's exactly where he met me. Back in 1980, September the 16th, I was sitting about on the second or third row of a church down in Franconia, Virginia. And I didn't want to be there. I'm just going to be real honest with you. I didn't want to be there. But you know, somebody loved me and cared enough about me to take me. There was this big old dude. He was railing behind. You think I get excited. This dude was one of those, you know, boom, you better. And I was like, oh boy, what's this going to do? 
But I knew one thing. You say, what did he preach on? All I know is, all I know is Jesus saved me that night. He said, you better get up. You better get up and understand that without me, you can do nothing. And so as a 13-year-old boy, I realized that I was in trouble, that I had an anger problem that only Jesus could solve. And you know what? From that moment on, has life been perfect? Have I been perfect? Well, hold on. Let me ask my wife. Have I been perfect? I'm real close. So close. But you know one thing? Since September the 16th, 1980, I've had the joy of Christmas because it's an everlasting joy. Does that mean that life's always happy-go-lucky, that everything is going to work out the way that, that we want it to? By the way, if things worked out the way that we wanted to, a lot of times we'd be in trouble because our thoughts and our ways are not God's thoughts and ways. Sometimes we say we want something, we need something or whatever, and God says, no, you don't. I'm going to protect you today. I'm going to show you mercy today. And so we have to be careful when it comes to this thing about joy. Listen, when we come to faith, you think about it. So verse 8 reminds us that God meets us where we are, but verse number 9, look at it again, because verse number 9 points to the fact that when he does meet us where we are, it, it should bring us to our knees. Look, it says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. When you and I come face to face with the holiness of God, we tend to recognize our own sinfulness. When I see how holy God is, I tend to recognize my own sinfulness a little bit more. And I tend to respond accordingly. In fact, what was interesting last night was I was tired. I'll be honest with you, I was really tired. And Travis said, hey, listen, if you don't make it, if you fall out tomorrow, you don't make it, I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach from Isaiah chapter 6. Well, all I know from Isaiah chapter 6 is that when Isaiah came face to face with the holiness of God, his response was a simple, woe is me. In Luke chapter 5, in verse number 8, Jesus demonstrates if you remember that passage, he demonstrates his supernatural power really with Peter and the other fishermen there. And he fills the ship with a multitude of fishes. And Peter responds. You remember his response? He said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. You see, when Peter came face to face with the holiness of God, he said, you got to get away from me because I'm a sinful man. The shepherds here in verse number 9, the Bible says they were sore afraid. So I put in my notes, what is our response? What is our response to the holiness of God today? What is our response to God's holiness tomorrow when we consider the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Oh, by the way, when was the last time you looked in awe to the greatness and the glory of Jesus Christ? The joy of Christmas. Oh, listen. I want you to notice with me a few things. Look here in verse number 10. You're a note taker, you might want to write these down. Verse number 10, notice quickly with me that when heaven came down, notice verse 10, when heaven came down, the shepherds actually received 
the joyous news. Look, it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be all to all people. And so the angel quickly calms their fears, and, and he says, Hey, listen, uh, fear not. I'm bringing you some good news. Notice, listen, I got news for you. This was and it still is the greatest newscast of all time. When the angel said, hey, don't, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you some good news. Look at the, the phrase there, good tidings. In verse number 10, it actually comes from the Greek word euangelizo. And it means to announce good news, especially the gospel. To declare, to bring glad tidings, or to preach. In fact, this word euangelizo... It actually is where you and I get the word evangelize. And so the angels are the first evangelists. They come down and they bring this news to these shepherds in the field. And I'm going to talk about the shepherds here in just a second. But so the, these angels, they point to the good news, the good tidings of great joy. And they say, hey, listen, this is the way that you, the snubbed, the smelly, the sinful shepherds can actually be accepted and forgiven and become a recipient of the great joy of Jesus Christ. By the word, that word great means mega. That means huge. It means mega. You want some mega joy? Some of you don't know how to answer. You want mega joy? The only way you're getting mega joy is not down at some department store that's got a mega sale going on. You get mega joy from Jesus. That's what that word means. Good tidings of great or mega joy. In other words, exceeding or great or large. In other words, the reality of the gospel message was being initiated by the birth of Jesus Christ, which verse number 10 points out, watch this, it's a very exclusive message, but it's also a very inclusive message. Look, it says here in verse number 10, watch it, watch it, it says, and I bring you, the angel says, I'm bringing you, shepherds, good tidings of great joy. But then he says, hold on, it's inclusive, because this same message is for all people. You know what we sing about when little kids? Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. This is what it was. Listen, I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy. And yes, it's exclusively for you. I'm bringing this message to you tonight. We don't have an audience. We haven't set up television cameras to have a news uh, a media event. We're not calling a bunch of people. I'm bringing this news to you initially, but I got news for you. It's not just a message for you. It's a message for all people. Oh, my goodness. The joy of Christmas, the shepherds. They receive the news. And, and that's a message that even the heavenly host had to get behind. Look at verse 13 and 14, which I didn't read because they begin to sing out in praise. And it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And the reception, what I know is the reception of this news was genuine. You say, how do you know that? How do you know they received it? How do you know their reception was genuine? Look at verse 15. Because the Bible tells me so. Because in verse 15 it says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. So get the picture. 
The shepherds are out watching over their flocks by night. The angels appear and the glory of the Lord shines around these angels. And the angel tells them, hey, says, listen, I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And then it says, and it came to pass. Watch. It says, when the angels were gone from them into heaven, so just as quickly as they appeared, they disappeared. And the shepherds said, watch this. And the shepherds said one to another, let's hang out here and eat some s'mores. That was crazy. The shepherd said, have you ever seen that happen before? The shepherd said, hey, 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 hey. They went over and they rounded up some sheep that were going astray. That's not what the Bible says. Hold on, they were supposed to watch their flock by night. Watch what happens when they're met with the holiness of God. Watch what happens. It says, and let us now go. Let's get up from here and get on down to Bethlehem and see the thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us, you and me, us snubbed, smelly, sinful shepherds. Here's what I find. They believed the message and they immediately moved into action. I got a little question. When you believed the message, if you have believed it, was there a time that you moved into action? That's, a, that's not even in the message. I didn't even write that down. That's just a sidebar. You see, because those snub, smelly, sinful shepherds, when they received the message, the joyous news of Christmas, they were immediately moved into action. In fact, in another passage of Scripture, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, and he thanks God in 1 Thessalonians 2, 3. He thanks God for the fact that the young church at Thessalonica had received the word of God, not as the word of men, but as it is the truth, the word of God. What about you? Have you received the good tidings of great joy yet? Oh, I pray that you have. But notice the shepherds not only received the news, notice the shepherds responded to the joyous news. These shepherds, they, they immediately respond. And look at verse 16. The Bible says they came with haste. I don't know, but I haven't seen too many men move with haste. We used to do a lot of things with haste when we were younger, but once you get past about, oh, I don't know, I'm just going to throw out a number, especially once you hit 40 and over, I don't see a lot of dudes moving with haste. Ladies know what I'm talking about. So to me, now let me digress because I have no clue how old these shepherds were <laughs> and neither do you, but it seems like a miracle to me that they did anything with haste because typically shepherding, they're just walking out, right, with the sheep and they're just sitting over by their campfire, sleeping in tents and whatnot. I don't know, but the Bible says they got up and they moved with haste. Look at verse 16 again. It says, and notice what they found. It says they found Mary and Joseph. And who else did they find? They found the Christ of Christmas. They found the babe lying in a manger as humans were typically slow to respond. And so I see the shepherds received the news. They responded to the news. But look at verse 17. Because after receiving and responding and being changed by the joyous news of Christmas, verse 17 points us to the fact that they actually started repeating the news. 
They started repeating the news. Look, it says, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad. That word abroad simply means all over the place. They made known that saying which was told them concerning the child. There was no doubt. There was no delay. There was immediate action. They moved by faith. They went and saw the child and then they left and they started sharing the child. And you know something? When they started sharing the child, uh, the news about Jesus Christ, the Bible doesn't tell us that they went out and they started talking about Mary. Listen, I'm not discounting Mary's role in what God did. But they didn't go out talking about Mary. They didn't go about talking about Joseph. They didn't go talking about the star. The reality is their message was, and our message still is, all about Jesus. And so when you check out at Walmart and they say happy holidays, it's easy to say Merry Christmas. What are you going to do? Charge you double? You already paid. They're already charging you double. Don't get me started on that. You, all, you guys already know. My little pies went from 50 cents. You guys, now listen, please don't, because I know there's going to be some Weisenheimers. I'm going to show up and there's going to be about 50 of those little 50 cent pies on my desk. Hey, listen, I don't need that, okay? I'm doing okay. Listen, we have an opportunity to point people to Jesus. And some of the greatest times of the year that we can do that is at Christmas and Easter. They repeated the joyous news. It had nothing to do with the angels. had nothing to do with Joseph and Mary. In essence, these shepherds became the first preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you may be wondering, you say, hey, they hadn't attended Bible college. What did they preach? They didn't go through a seminary or cemetery school, as some people say, where theologians go to die. I'm serious, man. A lot of good and well-meaning young men and women go to Bible college and then they come out deader than a doornail. They didn't go there. You say, well, what did they preach? I would actually suggest that they actually repeated the good tidings of great joy. In fact, I would also suggest that maybe they did a little bit what the angels did and we read about that in verse number 14 because the Bible states in verse 14 that maybe they were declaring the glory of God in the highest on earth and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. All I know is that because of their newfound joy, they could not keep quiet. And neither should we. Don't let the world lull you to sleep about Christ of Christmas. They will if you let them. If you're here and you're watching online and you say, well, pastor, I'm already a believer. I'm a believer. Can I tell you it's not enough to simply have faith and feel good about Jesus. It's not enough to have faith and feel good about Jesus. Spiritually speaking, if you and I have received the message, if you and I have responded to the news of the Christ of Christmas, if we have Christmas joy, then we too, just like those smelly, snubbed, sinful shepherds of old, we need to be involved in repeating the news just as they did on that very night of nights. Sadly, though it was D.L. Moody... Here's what D.L. Moody said. He said, The greatest obstacle to sinners coming to Christ is the joyless attitude of many professed Christians. 
And I just simply say this. People are watching. If you're walking around with an angry look on your face all the time, do yourself a favor. Turn that frown upside down. You'd be surprised how much better you look with a smile than a frown. Some people are like, no, man, I look good. I'm tough and I'm mean. You're no match for the devil. You might think you're all that in a bag of chips too. But turn the frown upside down because people are watching our lives. And listen, if we're going to try and say Merry Christmas to somebody and yet we were just, uh, just as rude as the next person was with somebody, it doesn't float. It doesn't float. We are ambassadors representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so we ought to be involved if we received and responded to the good news of Christmas joy. We ought to be just like the shepherds repeating the news for all to hear. And then lastly, i got to wrap it up. Notice the shepherds, they rejoice. They rejoice because of the joyous news of Christmas. It was all about Jesus, right? So they, they rejoice in all that they had experienced. The news of Jesus, seeing Jesus, and going out and sharing and repeating the news of Jesus. Look at verse 20. The Bible tells us that after the shepherds had received and responded and repeated, notice they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Listen, at salvation, I got news for you. The Holy Spirit of promise moves into our life. At salvation, if you're saved, if you're a child of God, then you have the Holy Spirit of God residing inside of you. And if you have the Holy Spirit of God residing in you, then guess what? You got a benefit package. You say, what's my benefit package? Man, now you're talking my language. I'm all about the bennies. Why didn't you start the message by sharing the benefits? I, I would have paid more attention. If you got Jesus on the inside, the Holy Spirit residing in your life, you have been given the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23, the Bible points to the fruit of spirit. It says it is love, it is joy. There it is. It's peace, it's long-suffering, it's gentleness, it's goodness, it's faith, it's meekness, it's and temperance. Against such there is no law. So by definition, by simple definition, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to be a joyful person. Somebody say, oh my. Somebody, let's be honest. Let's just be honest. Right, it's okay. Husbands, your wife already knows this. Wives, your husband already knows this. Somebody say, Pastor, I need help to be joyful. <laughs> I'm not always joyful. I know this. But you can be. You can be because you have the Holy Spirit of promise residing inside of you. Nehemiah actually said in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 10, he said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. 
Joyful Christian is a strong Christian. A joyful Christian is a witnessing Christian. A joyful Christian is a serving and a worshiping Christian. Listen, evidence of our joy is actually going to be seen in how we glorify and praise our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now listen, that's if you're a believer. If you're here, you're watching online and you're not a believer just yet, I want you to know and I want to remind you that the only way to acquire real joy The only way to obtain Christmas joy is through Jesus. And to obtain the joy, you got to be like the shepherds. They recognized their need. They understood that they were in need. They understood the need that they had. But when the angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and the, Lord, and the angel declared unto them the good tidings of great joy. The reality is they responded to the message of Jesus. And they said, let us go now. We've got to go see this thing which has come to pass. And they marched themselves down into Bethlehem, and they saw the baby laying in a manger. And so not only did they receive the news, they responded to the news. And listen, once they responded by faith, to the news of Christmas, they could not keep quiet. They went out and they shared. The Bible says, look at verse 10, And the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, for I behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day today, is what they're saying in the city of David, a Savior. In other words, one who forgives sin, which is Christ. That was pointing to the long-awaited Messiah. The angel says, here he is. You guys have been waiting for a Messiah. Here he is, the long-awaited Messiah and Savior of the world. And then he references his name as Master when he says, Christ the Lord. Pointing to his authority, his leadership as Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. If you have never received the joy of having, if you've never received the joy of knowing Christ as your Savior, I beg you, receive the message. Jesus loves you. He loved you so much that he went to an old rugged cross, placed himself on that cross. They didn't kill him, by the way. He laid his life down. Don't ever get it wrong. There wasn't nobody that had the power to kill Jesus. He laid his life down because he loved you. And he knew that that payment was the only way that you and I, through faith, could be saved. Receive the message today that Jesus loves you. But don't just receive it. Respond to the message that Jesus loves you. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I've heard a lot about Jesus in my day, but I'm not sure that if I died right now, that I'd have a home in heaven. You say, man, that sounds real old-fashioned. That's okay. That's okay. See, I'm not sure that if the Lord were to take me home, that I would have a home with the Lord today. Can Can I tell you this? The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Period. And say you got to be a member of Battlefield Baptist Church. That Baptist Church up on the hill doesn't say that. In fact, I grew up as a Methodist. 
I tell people all the time, God has a sense of humor. He took the son of a Methodist minister of music who now serves as the pastor of an independent Baptist church. You talk about hilarious. But you want to know something? It's not about being a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a member of some Bible church. It's about whether or not you know the joy of Christmas. And his name is Jesus. And so could I just ask that we'd all just pray? Just have a time of prayer, would you? Would you bow your head with me at this time? Say, man, let's just pray and ask God to bless during this Christmas season. And I'd ask you to be honest with yourself. If you don't know Christ is your Savior, call upon him right now. Right now. Quietly, you don't, you don't need me to pray that prayer for you. But just call upon the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, I understand what you did for me. I understand that without you, I have no Christmas joy. And the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And so it's not about your goodness. It's not about your works. It's not about how much you serve. It's not about what you do because it's all been done through Jesus Christ. And so if you're here and you say, Lord, just forgive me. Forgive me of my sinning. Lord, just come into my life. Begin to work in my life. I realize through your word and your spirit has brought me to this point and I realize that I am in need of a savior and I'm asking you to save me right now because I want to have Christmas joy. Now if you say, you know what, I meant that. I did that right now and I meant that from the bottom of my heart. Would you do me a favor? Would you just look at me? I'm not going to have you get up. I'm not going to have you stand. God bless you. God bless you, young ladies. Someone else. I see you back there, young man. God bless you. I see you, bro. Say, I trusted Christ today for the first time in my life. Man, that's amazing. I see you, ma'am. That's amazing. Somebody else. Say, I have Christmas joy now. I called upon the name of the Lord. And I'm so thankful. God bless you, sir. Somebody else. I've called upon the name of the Lord. I see you, brother. God bless you. I've trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior today. Maybe you're watching online and you've trusted Christ. Just Text us a note. Let us know how we can be a blessing to you. Maybe you're here today and you say, I know joy. I have Christmas joy. But sometimes I struggle at letting other people know I'm a joyful person. <laughs> say, Pastor, would you pray for me that I might exercise more joy throughout the remainder of this season and in the coming days? Would you look at me and say, Pastor, pray for me that I would be more joyful. God bless you. God bless you. Just look at me and I... God bless you. I see your heart. God sees them. God sees them. Look up. Look up. Yes. God bless you, brother. So, God bless you, ma'am. Someone else say, I just want to be more joyful. In the, yes, ma'am. Bless your heart. I see you, young lady. Bless your heart. Somebody else, help me to be joyful. I want to be a joyful person. Father, we love you. Once again, You have done what only you can do through the power of the gospel and the wooing of the Holy Spirit. And people trusting Christ as their Lord and Savior. People desiring to exercise more joy, to, to let the joy that is already embedded inside their heart, to let it come forth, to let their light so shine before men.
that they might see their good works and glorify you. Oh God, help us to be joyful people. Help us never to lose sight of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.